What's up? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week, we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. What is up, Thrive Fam? CJ Finley here, back with another episode of the Thrive on Life podcast. And today I'm going to do something different. I'm going to read a couple pages from the Almanac of Naval Ravikant. He's had a major impact on my life, and this book is something that I've probably read 10 times over, and it's something that I take with me everywhere I go. This chapter that I'm going to read here today called Learning Happiness has had a profound impact on me, and I'm hoping that by reading some of it, it'll encourage you, A, to either read the book yourself, or B, you'll take something from the pages that I read and implement it into your own life. So let's get right into it. Naval Ravikant, Learning Happiness. Quote, Don't take yourself so seriously. You're just a monkey with a plan. Ten years ago, if you would have asked me how happy I was, I would have dismissed the question. I didn't want to talk about it. On a scale of one to ten, I would have said two out of ten, or three out of ten, maybe four out of ten on my best days. But I did not value being happy. Today, I am a nine out of ten. And yes, having money helps, but it's actually a very small piece of it. Most of it comes from learning over the years my own happiness is the most important thing to me and I've cultivated it with a lot of techniques. Quote, maybe happiness is not something you inherit or even choose, but a highly personal skill that can be learned like fitness or nutrition. Unquote. Happiness is a very evolving thing, I think, like all the great questions. When you're a little kid, you go to your mom and ask, what happens when we die? Is there a Santa Claus? Is there a God? Should I be happy? Who should I marry? Those kinds of things. There are no glib answers because no answers apply to everybody. These kinds of questions ultimately do have answers, but they have personal answers. The answer that works for me is going to be nonsense to you, and vice versa. Whatever happiness means to me, it means something different to you. I think it's very important to explore what these definitions are. For some people I know, it's a flow state. For some people, it's satisfaction. For some people, it's a feeling of contentment. My definition keeps evolving. The answer I would have given you a year ago will be different than what I tell you now. Today, I believe happiness is really a default state. Happiness is there when you remove the sense of something missing in your life. We are highly judgmental survival and replication machines. We constantly walk around thinking, I need this or I need that, trapped in the web of desires. Happiness is a state when nothing is missing. When nothing is missing, your mind shuts down and stops running into the past or the future to regret something or plan something. In that absence, for a moment, you have internal silence. When you have internal silence, then you are content and you are happy. Feel free to disagree. Again, it's different for everybody. People mistakenly believe happiness is just about positive thoughts and positive actions. The more I've read, the more I've learned, and the more I've experienced, because I verified this for myself, Every positive thought essentially holds within it a negative thought. It is a contrast to something negative. The Tao Te Ching says more articulately than I ever could, 
It's all duality and polarity. If I say I'm happy, that means I was sad at some point. If I say he's attractive, then somebody else is unattractive. Every positive thought even has a seed of a negative thought within it and vice versa, which is why a lot of greatness in life comes out of suffering. You have to view the negative before you can aspire to and appreciate the positive. To me, happiness is not about positive thoughts. It's not about negative thoughts. It's about the absence of desire, especially the absence of desire for external things. The fewer desires I can have, the more I can accept the current state of things, the less my mind is moving, because the mind really exists in motion towards the future or the past. The more present I am, the happier and more content I will be. If I latch onto a feeling, if I say, oh, I'm happy now, and I want to stay happy, then I'm going to drop out of that happiness. Now suddenly, the mind is moving. It's trying to attach to something. It's trying to create a permanent situation out of a temporary situation. Happiness to me is mainly not suffering, not desiring, not thinking too much about the future or the past, really embracing the present moment and the reality of what is and the way it is. Quote, if you ever want to have peace in your life, you have to move beyond good and evil. Unquote. Nature has no concept of happiness or unhappiness. Nature follows unbroken mathematical laws and a chain of cause and effect from the Bing Bang to now. Everything is perfect exactly the way it is. It is only in our particular minds we are unhappy or not happy, and things are perfect or imperfect because of what we desire. The world just reflects your own feelings back at you. Reality is neutral. Reality has no judgments. To a tree, there is no concept of right or wrong, good or bad. You're born, you have a whole set of sensory experiences and stimulations, lights, colors, and sounds, and then you die. How you choose to interpret them is up to you. You have that choice. This is what I mean when I say happiness is a choice. If you believe it's a choice, you can start working on it. Quote, there are no external forces affecting your emotions as much as it may feel that way, unquote. I've also come to believe in the complete and utter insignificance of the self, and I think that helps a lot. For example, if you thought you were the most important thing in the universe, then you would have to bend the entire universe to your will. If you're the most important thing in the universe, then how could it not conform to your desires? If it doesn't conform to your desires, something is wrong. However, if you view yourself as a bacteria, or if you view all of your works as writing on water or building castles in the sand, then you have no expectations for how life should actually be. Life is just the way it is. When you accept that, you have no cause to be happy or unhappy. Those things almost don't apply. Quote, happiness is what's there when you remove the sense that something is missing in your life. Unquote. What you're left with in that neutral state is not neutrality. I think people believe neutrality would be a very bland existence. No, this is existence little children live. If you look at little children on balance, they're generally pretty happy because they are really immersed in the environment and the moment. Without any thought of how it should be given their personal preferences and desires, I think the neutral state is actually a perfection state. One can be very happy as long as one isn't too caught up in their own head. Our lives are a blink of a firefly in the night. You just barely hear. You have to make the most of every minute, 
which doesn't mean you chase something stupid or desire for your entire life. What it means is every second you have on the planet is very precious, and it's your responsibility to make sure you're happy and interpreting everything in the best way. Quote, we think of ourselves as fixed and the world is malleable, but it's really we who are malleable and the world is largely fixed. Unquote. Question, can practicing meditation help you accept reality? Response, yeah, but it's amazing how little it helps. Naval laughs. You can be a long-time meditator, but if someone says the wrong thing in the wrong way, you go back to your ego-driven self. It's almost like you're lifting one-pound weights, but then somebody drops a huge barbell with a stack of plates on your head. It's absolutely better than doing nothing, but when the actual moment of mental or emotional suffering arrives, it's still never easy. Real happiness only comes as a side effect of peace. Most of it is going to come from acceptance, not from changing your external environment. Quote, a rational person can find peace by cultivating indifference to things outside of their control. Unquote. I've lowered my identity. I've lowered the chattering of my mind. I don't care about things that don't really matter. I don't get involved in politics. I don't hang around unhappy people. I really value my time on this earth. I read philosophy. I meditate. I hang around with happy people. And it works. You can very slowly but steadily and methodically improve your happiness baseline, just like you can improve your fitness. Happiness is a choice. Quote, happiness, love, and passion aren't things you find. They're choices you make. Unquote. Happiness is a choice you make and a skill you develop. The mind is just as malleable as the body. We spend so much time and effort trying to change the external world, other people, and our own bodies, all while accepting ourselves the way we were programmed in our youths. We accept the voice in our head as the source of all truth, but all of it is malleable, and every day is new. Memory and identity are burdens from the past, preventing us from living freely in the present. Happiness requires presence. At any given moment when you're walking down the streets, a very small percentage of your brain is focused on the present. The rest is planning the future or getting the past. This keeps you from having an incredible experience. It's keeping you from seeing the beauty in everything and for being grateful for where you are. You can literally destroy your happiness if you spend all of your time living in delusions of the future. Quote, we crave experiences that will make us be present, but the cravings themselves take us from the present moment. Unquote. I just don't believe in anything from my past. Anything. No memories, no regrets, no people, no trips, nothing. A lot of our unhappiness comes from comparing things from the past to the present. Quote, Anticipation for our vices pulls us into the future. Eliminating vices makes it easier to be present. Unquote. There's a great definition I've read. Enlightenment is the space between your thoughts. It means enlightenment isn't something you achieve after 30 years sitting on a mountaintop. It's something you can achieve moment to moment, and you can be enlightened to a certain percent every single day. Quote, what if this life is the paradise we were promised, and we're just squandering it? Unquote. Happiness requires peace. Are happiness and purpose interconnected? Happiness is such an overloaded word. I'm not even sure what it means. For me these days, happiness is more about peace than it is about joy. I don't think peace and purpose go together. If it's your internal purpose, the thing you most want to do, then sure, you'll be happy doing it. But an externally inflicted purpose, like society wants me to do X, 
I am the first son of the first son of this, so I should do why? Or I have this debt or burden I took on, I don't think it will make you happy. I think a lot of us have this low-level pervasive feeling of anxiety. If you pay attention to your mind, sometimes you're just running around doing your thing and you're not feeling great. And you notice your mind is chattering and chattering about something. Maybe you can't sit still. There's this nexting thing where you're sitting in one spot thinking about where you should be next. It's always the next thing, then the next thing, the next thing after that, then the next thing after that, creating this pervasive anxiety. It's most obvious if you ever just sit down and try and do nothing. I mean nothing. I mean not read a book. I mean not listen to music. I mean literally just sit down and do nothing. You can't do it because there's anxiety always trying to make you get up and go, get up and go, get up and go. I think it's important just being aware the anxiety is making you unhappy. The anxiety is just a series of running thoughts. How I combat anxiety, I don't try and fight it. I just notice. I'm anxious because of all these thoughts. I try to figure out, would I rather be having this thought right now or would I rather have my peace? Because as long as I have my thoughts, I can't have my peace. You'll notice when I say happiness, I mean peace. When a lot of people say happiness, they mean joy or bliss. But I'll take peace. Quote, a happy person isn't someone who's happy all the time. It's someone who effortlessly interprets events in such a way that they don't lose their innate peace. Unquote. Every desire is a chosen unhappiness. I think the most common mistake for humanity is believing that you're going to be made happy because of some external circumstance. I know that's not original. That's not new. It's fundamental Buddhist wisdom. I'm not taking credit for it. I think I really just recognize it on a fundamental level, including in myself. We bought a new car. Now I'm waiting for the new car to arrive. Of course, every night I'm on the forums reading about the car. Why? It's a silly object. It's a silly car. It's not going to change my life much or at all. I know the instant the car arrives, I won't care about it anymore. The thing is, I'm addicted to the desiring. I'm addicted to the idea of this external thing bringing me some kind of happiness and joy. And this is completely delusional. Looking outside yourself for anything is the fundamental delusion. Not to say you shouldn't do things on the outside. You absolutely should. You're a living creature. There are things you do. You locally reverse entropy. That's why you're here. You're meant to do something. You're not meant to just lie there in the sand and meditate all day long. You should self-actualize. You should do what you are meant to do. The idea you're going to change something in the outside world, and that is going to bring you peace, everlasting joy, and happiness you deserve, is a fundamental delusion we all suffer from, including me. The mistake over and over and over is to say, oh, I'll be happy when I get that thing, whatever it is. That is the fundamental mistake we all make 24-7 all day long. Quote, the fundamental delusion, there is something out there that will make me happy and fulfilled forever. Unquote. Desire is a contract you make with yourself to be unhappy until you get what you want. I don't think most of us realize that's what it is. I think we go about desiring things all day long and then wonder why we're unhappy. I like to stay aware of it because then I can choose my desires very carefully. I try not to have more than one big desire in my life at any given time. And I also recognize it is as the axis of my suffering, I realize the area where I'm chosen to be unhappy. Quote, desire is a contract you make with yourself to be unhappy until you get what you want. Unquote. 
One thing I've learned recently, it's way more important to perfect your desires than to try to do something you don't 100% desire. When you're young and healthy, you can do more. By doing more, you're actually taking on more and more desires. You don't realize this is slowly destroying your happiness. I find younger people are less happy but more healthy. Older people are more happy but less healthy. When you're young, you have time. You have health, but you have no money. When you're middle-aged, you have money and you have health, but you have no time. When you're old, you have money and you have time, but you have no health. So the trifecta is trying to get all three at once. By the time people realize they have enough money, they've lost their time and their health. Success does not earn happiness. Quote, happiness is being satisfied with what you have. Success comes from dissatisfaction. Choose. Unquote. Confucius says you have two lives, and the second one begins when you realize you only have one. When and how did your second life begin? That's a very deep question. Most people who are past a certain age have had this feeling or phenomenon. They've gone through life a certain way and then gotten to a certain stage and had to make some pretty big changes. I'm definitely also in that boat. I struggle for a lot of my life to have certain material and social successes. When I achieved those material and social successes, or at least was beyond a point where they didn't matter as much, I realized that people around me who have achieved similar successes and were on their way to achieving more didn't seem all that happy. In my case, there was definitely hedonic adaptation. I'd very quickly get used to anything. This led me to conclusion, which seems trite, that happiness is internal. That conclusion set me on a path of working more on my internal self and realizing all real successes is internal and has very little to do with external circumstances. One has to do the external thing anyway. We're biologically hardwired. It's glib to say you can just turn it off. Your own life experience will bring you back to the internal path. Quote, the problem with getting good at a game, especially one with big rewards, is you continue playing it long after you should have outgrown it. Survival and replication put us on the work treadmill. Hedonic adaptation keeps us there. The trick is knowing when to jump off and play instead. Unquote. Who do you think of as successful? Most people think of someone as successful when they win a game, whatever game they play themselves. If you're an athlete, you're going to think of a top athlete. If you're in business, you might think Elon Musk. A few years ago, I would have said Steve Jobs because he was part of the driving force creating something that changed lives for all of humanity. I think Mark Anderson is successful, not because of his recent incarnation as a venture capitalist, but because of the incredible work he did with Netscape. Satoshi Nakamoto is successful in that he created Bitcoin, which is this incredible technology creation that will have repercussions for decades to come. Of course, Elon Musk, because he changed everyone's viewpoint on what is possible with modern technology and entrepreneurship, I consider those creators and commercializers successful. To me, the real winners are the ones who step out of the game entirely, who don't even play the game, who rise above it. Those are the people who have such internal mental and self-control and self-awareness, they need nothing from anybody else. There are people of these characters I know in my life. Jersey Gregoric, I would consider him successful because he doesn't need anything from anybody. He's at peace, he's healthy, and whether he makes more money or less money compared to the next person has no effect on his mental state. Historically, I would say the legendary Buddha or Krish Namurti, whose stuff I like reading, they're successful in the sense that they step out of the game entirely. Winning or losing doesn't matter to them. There's a line from Blaise Pascal I read. Basically, it says, 
All man's troubles arise because he cannot sit still in a room quietly by himself. If you could just sit there for 30 minutes and be happy, you are successful. That is a very powerful place to be, but very few of us ever get there. I'm going to end on that quote. That one is something that struck me like a ton of bricks because a lot of anxiety in my own life has stemmed from not just being able to sit in one place at one time. And I think that a lot of anxiety in the world is just us as human beings not being able to slow down and sit for 10 minutes and not have any type of stimulation, whether it's your phone, your laptop, anything. So my challenge for you after reading this is to do just that, is to start practicing sitting with yourself and reflecting on how you feel as a human being. And the first reflection I think that any of us should make is something that I read here today where Naval talks about happiness and peace. And I didn't get to it, but he talks about how happiness is just peace in motion. The reflection I want you to take is when do you feel most peaceful? When do you feel most at peace? Why do you feel at peace in that moment? Because if you can bring more peace into your life, happiness will just be a byproduct, just like anything else. To get fit, if you're going to the gym every single day, you're way more likely to have the byproduct of being fit. Eating healthier food, you're way more likely to have the byproduct of less illness and disease and feeling better. Peace and happiness are similar. The more peace that you find yourself in, the more chances you give yourself to just innately be happy in more scenarios and circumstances. Today I read almost 15 pages from this book. Again, it's the Almanac of Naval Ravikant. Highly recommend you pick it up and see for yourself the power that it can have on your own life. It goes through not just happiness, it goes through wealth, systems for living, a bunch of information that can help you live a better life. The reason that I chose happiness is I think that it's something that all of us as human beings struggle with. And if you take away the wealth, the jobs, the careers, all that, if you take all the external things away, no matter who you are on the scale of human beings, peace and happiness is something we can all relate to. And that's why I chose that. It's also something that I think is the root and the foundation of what we should be teaching ourselves and our youth it should be more about how can we integrate ourselves into the community and create a more inspired, motivated community around finding peace and happiness rather than these external things that we keep pushing on social media, the news, and everywhere else. Another thing I'd like to note is I did mess up a few times here in this book. This is the first time I'm reading this, and I am not big enough yet to have or pay somebody to go through and get rid of all those mistakes that I made. Um, I butchered some words. And the reason I'm telling you this is because if you're listening to this and you got to this point and you want to start something, be okay with imperfection. It's something that I've learned to grow accustomed to and honestly look back on and say, if I was perfect in that moment, that means I waited too long to get it out there. So this idea I had literally was me reading through this book today and just saying, wow, this could really help some other people out there. And I think that 
just showcasing it on a podcast might be a good way to do so. So if you listen to this today and it had an impact on you in some type of way, please let me know because that'll basically give me the feedback I need to do this for some of the other books that I've read. And it's something that I think could be super valuable for other people out there to get introduced to new information and ideas that could help them in their own lives. So again, please let me know if this was something that was impactful to you. Connect with me. Share this with somebody you think it could be helpful for. That's the best thing that you can do. And until next time, this is CJ Finley with the Thrive on Life podcast. Thrive on y'all. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive on Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive on Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.